scripture reading for today's sermon is from James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. That's James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we shall go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. In uh, John uh, Bunyan's uh, great classic, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, it tells the story of Christian. And Christian is uh, traveling to uh, the celestial city. And uh, along the journey, Christian happens upon three men. Three men who are sleeping and shackled. And Christian, wanting to uh, make them aware of the impending danger of the lion that prowls around seeking to devour them, seeks to wake them up and to warn them of the dangers that are are coming. He he comes upon these three men. Uh, One is named Simple, the other is Law, and the last is Presumption. Uh, As he tries to rouse them and to wake them and to warn them, they all respond in varying ways, dismissing, dismissing Christian. When it gets to presumption, presumption proudly asserted, every tub must stand upon its own bottom. So what else need I say? In in other words, what presumption is saying is that I'm fine. I I can handle things on my own. He is presuming upon the, the grace and the mercy of God. Presumptions are, are dangerous. And, and while I hope, I hope faithful Christians such as yourselves don't, don't make a practice of presuming upon the grace and the, the mercy of God, I know that is not us this morning. We do too often fall prey to the sin of presumption when it comes to our plans. When we begin to map out our days and determine our comings and our goings for tomorrow or the next day. Now, we say that that we are Christians, but, but too often we fall into the trap of living our lives as functional atheists. Going about our activities, the activities of our lives and the happenings of our lives as though God were not there or involved in any of the details. James, warning to some businessmen here in our text this morning, are certainly warnings that we all need to heed. James warns them against the folly of godless planning. James 4.13 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. 
<laughs> James is calling out the arrogance of such a statement. And it is certainly that. The, the statement there is dripping with, with over, overconfidence, isn't it? Yet this is not at all different from the statements we find ourselves uh, making regarding our plans. That is why we need to listen to James carefully this morning. The problem with the statement that we read here, the problem with this statement is that it fosters an attitude of, of certainty. Here, here is what I'm going to, to do today. Here, here is what I am going to do tomorrow, and I'm going to stay for, for this amount of time, and I'm going to make this amount of money. There, there's an aura there of self, self-confidence, an air of things will happen just the way they say I, I, uh, they will happen. This is an attitude far too many of us have. <laughs> we, here's what happened. We, we live our lives as though tomorrow or even the next second is promised to us. But that is not a guarantee, brothers and sisters. This is, there is no guarantee that tomorrow will come. Tomorrow is not promised to us. I heard, a, I heard a young man recently uh, pray and thank the Lord for the unpromised day. I thought, there is a man who is not presumed upon the goodness of God. He knew rightly that waking up that morning was not a guarantee. And so he thanked the Lord for the unpromised day. Oh, we can do well to add that phrase to our thanksgiving, couldn't we? Thank you, Lord, for the unpromised good health that I'm experiencing now. Thank you, Lord, for the unpromised meal that I'm about to eat. Thank you, Lord, for the unpromised job that I have, the unpromised roof over my head, the unpromised healthy marriage that I have, the unpromised church building that we sit in, the unpromised paid bills. The list can go on and on. Tomorrow, the next second, all these blessings that we experience are not promised to us. So we thank the Lord for these unpromised things. It's amazing, brothers and sisters, how quickly we presume that our plans, that what we plan to do tomorrow or even the next second are fail-safe. <laughs> we Here's what we do. We, we assume because they are detailed, they are more, than, more likely to work out. I have, I, I, I've dotted my I's and I've, I've crossed my T's. I've gotten all the counsel. I've done all the research I've needed to do. So these plans must work out. The plans that fail are the people that don't plan. They're the ones that don't get all the details. They're the other ones that don't get all the counsel. That's what the type A personalities say, right? That I've done all my research and, I, and I've calculated my return on investment. I know what I'm going to get out of this thing that I'm doing tomorrow. It's the people that don't plan that need to be worried. Now, before you start thinking that I'm saying... Uh, 
that you shouldn't plan and, uh, you know, the, the type A personality before you get offended and, and, and come up to me after <laughs> the sermon. I'm not railing on you. I'm not ranting uh, on you. We should look at what the Bible has to say about, about planning. And let me spoil the suspense. Planning is a good thing. It's a good thing. Jesus says in Luke 14, 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it? How many of you have done projects over the break and began to plan out how you are going to go about tackling this project? That is a good thing, the Bible says. You, you should, before you do any project these days, you must uh, uh, um, look at YouTube and consult YouTube because you, you can't do anything right without consulting YouTube. So if you make plans, you do that. That's a right thing. That's a right thing to do. Proverbs 24, 27, prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field and after that, build your house. There's, we need to make Plans, Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The Bible speaks well about planning. And so don't hear me, don't think James here is saying that we, we need not plan. Planning in the scriptures is seen as a good thing. You and I should seek to make plans, count the cost, seek counsel, project forecasts. One who plans is being wise. But you and I must not forget that the human heart is deceitful and that it is wicked because, brothers and sisters, we are we need to realize and remember that we are fallen in our emotions. We are fallen in our minds. And very quickly, very easily, we can move from making plans to trusting in our plans. And there is a huge difference between making your plans and trusting in your plans. This is the issue with the, with the rich fool in Luke 12, 18 through 21, Jesus tells the parable of this rich fool who um, had uh, a crop, and it began to, to, to grow, and, it, and, and he had a, an abundance and, uh, and had to figure out something to do, and we read this in Luke 12, and he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and not and is not rich toward God. The issue, the issue wasn't with this rich man's plans. He had an abundance of crops, and he needed to find something to do with it. And so he planned that he was going to build larger barns to, to store these, this excess crop in. 
the issue the issue wasn't with the plan. Well, some plans are better than others. The, this was a decent plan to store the crops that were in excess. But the issue came when he started to trust those plans. This is what's going to take care of me. He was going to store the extra gra- grain, ground, uh, grain so that he could rest on his laurels, that he would have some something for him to, to, to live on for the rest of his life. He, he was thinking about being complacent and not growing. The rich man's plans failed to consider God and his plans. That is always the heart of the issue when it comes to our plans, brothers and sisters, is do you and I Consider God when we make them. Do we believe he is interested in, in what we do the next second or tomorrow? Do we think he should be consulted or, or are we living, as I said, like functional atheists? When it comes to spiritual things, yeah, yeah, I consult God. I'll reach out to him then. But the daily logistics of life? My plans for today and for tomorrow, I can handle those on my own. Sounds like presumption in Pilgrim's Progress. (laughs) Listen up, James says. Listen, listen, listen. Come, come, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we we will go into such and such a town. Those of you who talk and act this way are not considering God. So, so how does one consider God when making plans and not fall into presumption? Well, James gives us three considerations that we need to be mindful of as we make plans about the future. Here's the first thing that James says you need to consider. You need to consider that your knowledge is limited. James says in verse 14, you do not know what tomorrow brings. Is there ever a truer statement? (laughs) We, We think we know what will happen tomorrow, but we, you and I, have no idea what tomorrow will bring. But here's the sad part. We make plans and statements like we know exactly how things are going to go down. Oh, how foolish we are. Listen, we don't even know, we don't even have to go as far as tomorrow. We, we, we don't even know what will happen in the next minute. <laughs> you know who doesn't really help, you know who doesn't really help us in this regard? <laughs> the, the weather people. <laughs> the meteorologists. They, 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 they say it's going to rain tomorrow or even 10 days from now. We have 10-day forecast. They don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Only God knows these things. God knows what will happen tomorrow, brothers and sisters. We don't. But we spend an inordinate amount of time trying to determine or orchestrate and predict what will happen tomorrow. And it's a fool's errand. Our knowledge is limited. Proverbs 27, 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. The quicker 
the sooner you and I realize that our knowledge is limited, the quicker we will humble ourselves and go to the one whose knowledge is unlimited. You and I might not know what will happen tomorrow, but God knows, and his knowledge is unlimited. It is infinite. Paul says in Romans eleven thirty three, 33, all the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and inscrutable his ways. He knows it all. He, he knows what will happen tomorrow or even the next second. And it's not just he, not only does he know, he determines what will happen the next second. Lamentations 3.37, who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Oh, how foolish, how foolish to think that we know more than, than God and to not consult him or to go to him with our plans. Some of you maybe are, find yourself in school now or taking some, some tests recently. And uh, it's, it's custom now for professors or teachers to give out study guides for the test, right? That's, it's helpful, study guide. Now, how foolish uh, is it of the student to, on the night before the test, to only look at their notes and not consult the study guide? It's foolish that, the, that, that you wouldn't consult the person who made the test, who knows what's going to be on the test. How foolish would it be to think that your notes were good enough and wouldn't need to consult the study guide provided by the one who made the test? Your knowledge is limited, brothers and sisters. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring, but you have access to the one who does. And so consult him. You go to him. We, we need to make our plans with the knowledge, with that knowledge in mind that God knows all things. We need to go to him and consult him before declaring what we think will be. Psalm 37, 5 says, commit your way to the Lord Trust in him and what will happen. He will act. Not you. He will act. Oh, you're limited. Your, your knowledge, brothers and sisters, is limited. Here's the other thing that we need to consider. Your knowledge is limited, but also your life is fleeting. Your life is fleeting fleeting. James 4, 14. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Here's the conversation that happens frequently during this time of year, and I know it happens frequently because I've had it with you all several times. Man, this year has has flown by. (laughs) I can't believe that it's Christmas already, that, that 2019 is, is right around the corner. It seems like just yesterday, it was January. 
There is no denying that life moves fast. But here's the reality of it. It moves even faster than that. Life is a mist, a vapor, a blip on the radar, especially when you compare it with eternity. On the scale of eternity, our lifespans on this earth are but a microscopic dot, barely visible to the naked eye, here today and gone tomorrow. Psalm 102 and 3 says, the psalmist says, for my days pass away like smoke and my bones burn like a furnace. It was, it was Moses who said, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet the span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Life moves quick, like a blip on a radar, barely visible to the, to the, to the naked eye. So if life is but a mist and here today and, and gone tomorrow, what does it look like to consider God when making our plans? Here's what it looks like. It looks like giving our life to that which lasts for eternity rather than giving it over to what will soon pass away. Brothers and sisters, you and I are given limited time on this earth. And so most, what most people do is they spend their lives working for this life, seeking to build up fame and fortune and a name that won't be forgotten here on this earth. But, but can I give you a re reality check this morning? Can I give you a reality check? 99.9% of us will be forgotten. <laughs> Should the Lord not come back 200 years from now, you and I are not going to be in the history books. It will be something if even our great-great-grandchildren know who we are. <laughs> that is the reality, brothers and sisters. You are but a blip on the radar of history. And so, and so the logic says, the logic says, why do you make plans as though this life were it? Why do your choices and priorities reflect the desire to make this world ultimate? The Bible makes logical sense when it says, in Matthew 6, 19 and 20, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in the heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Yes, this, this verse is talking about money and, and where our treasure ought to be placed, but Jesus has in mind here your time and your, your talents. It's about priority. You make plans for tomorrow. Are you considering that this life is, is fleeting? Are you living for now or are you living for, for eternity? Ah, oh, the, the famous poem by C.T. Studd reminds us how, how we should answer this question. One, one stanza from the poem says, 
only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Living for self or in his will, only one life to soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. This life is passing quickly. We need to give our lives to that which will last. So the question comes, does this mean that, that you should sell everything, become a missionary, go into full-time ministry? Is that, is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying, Phil? Go, go, go into, I, I got to sell everything, go into full-time ministry. That's how I make this life count. Some of you, yes. <laughs> For some of you, that might be what the Lord is calling you to do. That he may be calling you to give your life away on the mission field or in full-time ministry. Listen and heed, heed the call. Test it in the community of the saints. But for most of us, that's not what it means. It may mean, it may mean, it looks like rearranging your priorities. When you make your plans, you need to make them with e eternity in view. You need to be laying up treasures in heaven, not, not here on this earth, because in a blink of an eye, you will be staring eternity in the face. Life is fleeting. We need to make our plans in light of that knowledge, that truth. Your knowledge is limited. Your life is fleeting. And lastly, James tells us, your life is not your own. It's not your own. James 4.15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. James affirms here what, what we have already noted. Planning is not a bad thing. He never says don't plan. He, he never, he, he says, make your plans and say, if the Lord wills. In other words, hold your, your plans with an open hand. Why? Because your life is not your own. Isn't that the, isn't that the answer to the Heidelberg Catechism question one? What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? Contrary to what you might think, you are not the captain of your own ship or the master of your own destiny. In fact, you don't want that to be the case. <laughs> how, does, how does the saying go? The person that desires to represent themselves in a courtroom and forgo hiring a lawyer, what do they have? They have a fool for a client? Right? Well, the person who is the captain of their own ship, has a fool steering the ship. <laughs> you are not in control and don't need to be. The Christian who commits their plans to the Lord understands that God's will trumps theirs every time. Every time. 
the apostle Paul believed this in Acts 18 and 21. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if, if what? If God wills. And he set sail for Ephesus, from Ephesus. In Romans 1.10, he says to them, uh, to the Christians there, always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by whose will, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. He wanted to go to Rome, but he says it only happened if the Lord determines it so. 1 Corinthians 4 and 19, but I will come to you soon. Paul making plans, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. The great, the great apostle Paul, he made plans, but he held his plans with an open hand, knowing that at any moment those plans could be trumped, because it is God who holds the future. It is his purposes that are being brought to pass in our lives. Our, our lives belong to him, and they are at his disposal to accomplish those things he has determined for us. And sometimes, sometimes by his grace, sometimes by his grace, our plans align with his, which is amazing. But it is not because our ideas are brilliant or because our plans are fail-safe, but because God desires to use weak, feeble, and finite men and women so that all glory can be his. All glory can be his. Oh, we need to make our plans and say, if the Lord wills. But we also need to be careful we need to be careful that this doesn't become some cheap throwaway phrase that we kind of throw onto the end of our to-do list, like it is some magical uh, mantra, slogan that we add to make sure our plans are successful, <laughs> right? Adding, adding, Lord willing, doesn't somehow sanctify your plans, <laughs> which means that when James tells us to add if the Lord wills to our plans, he is not giving us a formula that we need to add to everything every time we say we're going to do something. It's about the heart. It's about our attitude. It's about the tenor of how we go about making our plans. Are, are we arrogantly pursuing our agendas? presuming our, our, our plans are, are guaranteed, or are we trusting the Lord with tomorrow? Are we trusting him with tomorrow? That, that really is the issue. When we arrogantly make our godless plans, living our lives as functional atheists, we are demonstrating that we are not trusting the Lord with tomorrow. We either don't trust that God's plans are better or we don't trust that they are good. And when we don't trust that God's plans are better, we approach tomorrow with an arrogance that makes sure all of our I's are dotted 
and our T's are crossed, making sure all our ducks in a row. You, you anticipate uh, every, everything that could go wrong and you have an answer for, for when it does, except when you don't have an answer for when it doesn't. Or when the scenario happens that you didn't think would happen. Because you and I don't. We just don't know what will happen tomorrow. It's in those moments that you need to remember that God's plans are better than your plans. They're better. E- Listen, even the plans that have you winning, the, I mean, the, 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 the plans that you have you coming out on top and, and shining in the, the spotlight, even when the plans have you winning, God's plans are still better. Why? Because God works good on behalf of his people. Only he knows the end. He knows the things you and I don't know. He he sees what we can't see. That is why you and I can trust him. We can fully trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Oh, we trust, we trust that God's plans are better, even when we have ourselves, our plans have ourselves winning. But, but we also need to trust that his plans are good. Some of us arrogantly plan tomorrow because we are fearful of all the things that could go wrong. If things don't go just the way I planned them, my world is going to crumble and come to an end. If I don't get this job, go to the right school, network with the right people, then the future that I had planned out for me won't come to pass. But brothers and sisters, God's plans for us are good. And included in those good plans are the things we think are bad. He works all things according to the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1, 9 says. What they meant for evil, God meant for good, Genesis says. And when we know that all things, that all those, for, that, that for those who love God, all work together for their good. These aren't just cliche quotes, cliche verses that we quote when, when, when things don't go our way or to, to kind of skirt the pain. These, these are the true promises of God. And you and I make plans and say, if the Lord wills, what we are doing is we are entrusting our lives to our heavenly Father who cares for us and who desires our our good. Yes, 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 make make your plans. (laughs) Set, Set goals. Consult YouTube. Enter things into your Google Calendar. But make sure you're not presumptuous. Consider the Lord 
and trust him with tomorrow. Oh, you can trust him because he knows the future. Let's pray.